Well, welcome to week two of the series we're calling Bystander. Uh, when you look at the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they are camera angles, drone shots, if you will, into different perspectives of the life and ministry of Jesus. And what they're called the gospel because it's good news. And everybody knows we need some good news right now. And so what we have when we see um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we are going to take a little bit of a gallop leading up to Easter. Uh, we're going to take a gallop through the book of John. As, as a matter of fact, uh, we are inviting everybody to download the Bible app on your Android or your iPhone and uh, make sure you're following along with us on the 21 days in the Gospel of John. Uh, right now, this Sunday, we are in chapter 8. And we're just reading one chapter a day until we'll get to Saturday before Easter. In a million years, I never would have thought about thinking about Easter the way we're thinking about Easter right now. Next week, we'll have some more information on what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. But I promise you, the resurrection of Christ does not be, is not diminished by our inability to meet together. He is still resurrected. He's still powerful. He's still going to do great things on Easter Sunday and every Sunday until we get things back to normal. But in the meantime, God is going to use this chaos as an opportunity for you to go deeper with him. I'm telling you, this season of, of uprootedness is an opportunity for you to refocus and reassess and, and, and understand what God has for you in a little bit different way. Because when he can get us out of our normal routine, when, when, when he can get us away from the village, when he can get us away from the nine to five, just ex exactly like it normally is, it's amazing how we can, we can hear from him. So we continue on in this series, Bystander, and we come to the very first miracle Jesus ever performed. Uh, he steps out, at least the, the, the first miracle we know about. Uh, he was, uh, was born and we read about his, his birth, and then we read about a moment in his, in his 12 years of age, and then he's 30. Like, like there is 85% of Jesus' life we don't even understand, we don't even know. And I want to tell you that a lot of things grow and mature in the hidden places. And Jesus has matured and grown in an anonymous environment. And now he's stepping onto the platform of human history and some incredible things are about to take place. And he chooses his first place. It's not just like showing up to the fair. He's not just showing up to, you know, a conversation or a church service. It is, it's a wedding. And it's the wedding at Cana. And we open up in John chapter 2. And here's how the story goes. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Can I just say, notice, nothing's wasted in Scripture there's something powerful about the third day, this wedding taking place. Just, just, just kind of log that in your system. It was it taking place in the Cana in Galilee? And Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. Can I pause here and just say, blessed is the couple. Blessed is the, the couple. 
that invites Jesus into their wedding, that invites Jesus into their marriage. When you try and do it, you going alone or two people, you can stand back to back and you can do pretty well, the book of Ecclesiastes says, but a three-stranded cord, a a three-strand braid is not easily broken. In other words, when it's you and it's your spouse and it's Jesus, that, that there's strength that comes, I'm just saying to you, blessed is the couple that invites Jesus into their marriage. Uh, this last week, last Friday, as a matter of fact, uh, our campus pastor at Nacogdoches, Pastor Dan, uh, had the privilege of marrying some of our friends, Josh and Devin, and uh, got to marry them. It wasn't exactly the wedding they had anticipated with getting ready for it. And then all of this, I mean, I think about all the plans of, of, of weddings and proms and graduations and things that have been pushed all pause and postponed. And, but you know what? They made the best of it. They put Jesus in the center, a really cool moment. I really love this. This is an ode to COVID right here. The, the whole idea of uh, whatever that means for them. And you know, as I saw this picture uh, a few days ago, I also thought about, I thought about my, own, my own bride, my own rib. And uh, this is our wedding picture. As a matter of fact, we got married uh, right where I'm standing almost 20 years ago, right here at the broadcast campus of Timber Creek Church. And I think of our, uh, uh, just a few months earlier, we had taken some engagement pictures right down the road in the middle of a, of a field uh, with, 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 around a bunch of weeds, isn't that great? <laughs> but uh, I mean, dang, dang, they, they, that person looks good. Janet doesn't look half bad either. But can I just say something to you? Inviting Jesus into your wedding, I would just be cautious about inviting Jesus into your engagement photos. A friend of mine sent these to me. Um, Like, that's just weird, everybody. Like, if you're gonna take engagement photos, don't don't put Jesus. That's just just interesting to me. I wonder what Jesus is telling them right here. I wonder what his marital advice is right here. He's like, when you guys go out, uh, and you're driving in the car, make sure you put a Bible in between you because it's hard to, to you know, crawl over Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I'm mean, just giving you this warning is that, you know, don't crawl over because if you crawl over Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the next book is Acts. Anyway, okay, moving on. The third day, the wedding was at Cana and Jesus was invited to the wedding. I digress. And here's where we pick up the rest of the story. When the wine was gone, which is a uh-oh moment, Jesus' mother, Mary, said to him, Jesus, they have no more wine. What a frustrating experience. I want to say to you, nothing is wasted in scripture. Now, I know some of you were like, no more wine. Whew, no wine. You would fill in the blank like no wine equals no fun. That's not, that's not where this is going, okay? In fact, the wine was not there to represent an opportunity for debauchery. When you understand Jewish tradition and you understand the symbolism within even a Jewish wedding, the wine would represent something very powerful. As a matter of fact, wine would represent joy. And so when we see the symbolism behind this wedding that's happening on the third day after Jesus had shown up and was on the move, no wine really equals no joy. There's a symbolic reality happening here. And so let's talk about where we are as a nation and as families. Um, When things begin to run out, it's very easy for our joy to get low. 
And the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so if our joy gets low, guess what happens? Our strength gets low. And if our spiritual strength that comes from Jesus gets low, temptations get higher. Frustrations mount. Feelings can um, go haywire. Feelings uh, can, can short circuit. In fact, what can happen is we go to no wine and no joy. Many of us feel like we're running on empty. I wonder if that's how you feel. I've been feeling that in this tension. I've really had to strengthen myself in the Lord because uh, this, this environment that we're living, I, I just, it's new and it's a little hard and I can find myself getting a little discouraged and I have to strengthen myself up in the Lord. And if I don't have the joy, it's hard to really see that happen. And here's what happens when we run on empty. Maybe you felt this way. When we tend to run on empty, there's a few things that happen. Write these down. Number one, we focus on feelings instead of faith. Now, it's hard to find another environment that has raised expectations and feelings like a wedding. Okay, this is where you get bridezilla. Okay, this is where you get crazy. Like, it has to be perfect. And feelings rise and make sure the, make sure the cake is right. The day before Jan and I got married on this platform almost 20 years ago, I went over to the hotel. It's been, it's been uh, uh, torn down since then. They said that they had not saved any of our reservations and we had about 15 rooms that people were coming. My family was coming from Kansas and California and, and, and Oklahoma to come in and be a part of the wedding and they said they had canceled. I, I wanna say to you, I, I just drove over there peacefully and talked to the guy over the front desk. No, I lost it, I lost it. Thank, thank God I didn't move here for a few more years later because that would not have been good for me to have given that testimony to that, to that guy. A lot of the feelings were high, okay? Emotions were, were high. And when, when our joy is low and our expectations are high, our feelings can, can go haywire. And what Jesus wants to say to us just in the middle of all this, when Mary comes to him and says, there's no more wine, what are we gonna do? You and I have to follow what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. We've got to live by faith, not by sight. I'm telling you, you have to practice closing, closing social media down. This last week, we presented you with an entire TC guide. Instead of a TV guide, it's a TC guide of, of what we're doing on social media and how to stay connected because we're still gonna have these weekend services. We're still gonna connect over social media. We still want to engage you and we want to pastor you right where you are. But in the middle of all that, we also wanna be sensitive that you are shutting some stuff down and, and not looking at stuff all the time that can stir things up in you. And we gotta live by faith, stuff we can't see. Jesus wants you to live way beyond eyesight and he wants you to live with insight. Eyesight is what we can do. Insight is what he can do. When we're running on empty, our, our feelings can, can go haywire. Number two, we take matters into our own hands. When we're running on empty, we feel like, well, I gotta just do this. I just gotta make it happen. I'm just, I'm not gonna wait around. I, 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 gotta, I gotta take matters into my own hands. Now we don't know Mary's relationship with the bride or the bridegroom or the, or the mother of the groom, mother of the bride or whoever. We just know that Mary kind of gets in the middle of the business of this wedding. I, I find it hilarious. Anybody have a mom that's ever gotten in the middle of stuff or a mother-in-law? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more, say no more. <laughs> I've, that's never happened to me. Honestly, it hasn't. 
my mother-in-law is also watching this right now and she goes to our church, so I gotta say a lot of stuff, okay? Anyway, we take matters into our own hands. And Mary wants to see when things are running on empty, she wants to see if it can be fixed. And when we're running on empty, we tend to go to our own strength and our own hands instead of the hands that hold the world. The hands that stretched out and took on the cross for you. When we're running on empty, we put it in our own hands. The prophet Isaiah says it like this. Here's what we tend to do. He's talking about the nation of Israel, but this is what we do too. He says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. What does he mean? When you turn around and you rely on God and you rest in him, that's how you find salvation. You turn to him and you rest in him. In quietness and trust is your what? Say it out loud everywhere, every location. Is your what? Strength. One more time. Is your what? Strength. That's right. In quietness and rest. But we think when we're running on empty that we got to pick ourselves up by the bootstraps and we find our strength in what we can do. The truth is, Isaiah goes on to say, this is where we find our strength, but you would have none of it. And I want you to do a little self-examination right now and ask yourself, am I truly inviting Jesus to give me rest during this season? Am, Am I allowing time in this craziness for quietness and bold trust in what he wants to do and how he wants to do it and how he's going to show up? The scripture, though, it, it goes even deeper. Like the, the, the Israel is digging a hole and you and I, we dig a hole for ourselves too. He says, no, no, you say, no, 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 no. We got this. I got this. We're going to flee on horses. Okay, so therefore you're going to do what you're going to do. You're going to flee, the prophet says. I love this next one. You said, hey, we're not just going to flee on horses. We're going to ride off on swift horses. Like we got even a better plan. It's not just ride off on horses. We're going to have, we're going to have like black beauty. We're going to have secretariat with us. Okay. We're going to have sea biscuit. We're going to ride off. Therefore, your pursuers will be swift. In other words, you can have some big old plans to get away from whatever. That doesn't mean that the enemy isn't going to be swift too. You don't have all that it takes to deal with the realities of life. It's why we need to lean not on our own understanding and in all our ways yield to him. That's what's going to happen. You will will flee away till you're left like a flagstaff on a mountaintop, like a banner on a hill. What's that saying? Can you get the image in your head of a skinny flagpole with a tattered flag all up on the hill all by itself? exposed to the elements. When you try to do things on your own, when you're running on empty, you're only gonna leave yourself exposed. And the enemy's gonna find that. And the enemy's gonna wanna attack you while you're exposed like that. But I love the good news that Isaiah leaves us with. He says, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Even when you try to do things on your own strength, even when you to fix it all. Even when you try to say, I got this, the Lord still wants to be gracious to you. Isaiah says, therefore he will rise up, Jesus, well, God will rise up to show you compassion for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. And Jesus in the middle of this wedding rises up with compassion and kindness and moves in the middle of dire circumstances. When we're running on empty, We go to feelings over faith. 
We tend to take matters in our own hand. Number three, we exaggerate the negative. When there's no wine, that's all we can think about, isn't it? When money gets low, it's hard to think about anything else except the money. When there's an issue, when there's a stain on the carpet, you tend to not see the rest of the carpet that's not stained. You tend to see the stain on the carpet. We exaggerate the negative. And you know what? When we're going through hard times and negative times and crazy times, this is what the media loves to do. They love to focus all on the negative because if that can build up, you will get sucked in like a tractor beam right into it. And what can happen is, here's what we tend to do. We spend more time telling God about our problems than telling problems about our God. And all of a, all of a sudden, we, 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 we are, are, just, are just talking about problems, talking about problems, talking about problems. And what we need to understand is our problems are not bigger than God is. And many times it looks like this. All we can focus on is God. Or, or, pardon me. All we can focus on are big problems and God seems small. But as we begin to focus on God, problems become a little smaller. God becomes bigger. And what I thought was big problems, small God, big problems, small God, problems, God, smaller problems, bigger God, smaller problems, big God. We, I don't even have to worry about the problems. I have the God of the universe. That's the kind of process, but when you're running on empty, it's hard. It's hard to have that perspective. But Jesus invades the space and doesn't want you running on empty. That's what I want to tell you today. You don't have to leave this moment that we're having together as a church. You don't have to leave this space right here empty. So we go back to the story. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, son, they have no more wine. And the very next scripture is very interesting. We don't really understand what it means. But the next scripture says this. Woman, Jesus says, woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. Now, what's interesting about that statement is Jesus still shows up and does something. Like he still, he still does a miracle even though his hour, his hour had not yet come. I just want you to know when you're in proximity to Jesus, it may not, it may not always be the way you see it and he may not always reveal the why behind the what, but I want you to know Jesus is gonna move and Jesus is gonna be Jesus. He's gonna be Jesus. And so his mother isn't like, you know what? You better do this because I'm your mom. I raised you. You better do this. For all the trouble you gave me as the son of God at 10 years old, when Floofy died and we buried him and you raised Floofy from the dead and scared us half to death in the middle of the night, Floofy barking in the kitchen. When you were walking on the water on the bathtub, you're gonna do this miracle for me. No, that's not how it happened. His mom basically said, okay. He said, she says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. So she submits to him and then Jesus is now on the move, activating a miracle in the house. For the rest of the time we have together, I just wanna to talk to you about his part in this story and what we learn that is our part in the story. His part and our part. Since the beginning of creation, there has been a his part and an our part, a divine part and a human part. There is no miraculous virgin birth without a human womb. There is no parting of the Red Sea without a human holding out the staff. There is, no, there is no miracle of the blind eyes open without dirt and 
divine spit, divine saliva mixing together and doing something powerful. There is no feeding of the 5,000 without regular food and the hands of the creator God. There is his part and in our part. And so first thing we learn from this story, his part, when Jesus shows up, miracles can happen. When Jesus shows up in the room, miracles can take place. I'm inviting you to do your part in the story. Invite him and involve him. Invite him into that marriage. Invite him into that work. Invite him into that attitude. Invite him into that feeling of addiction that you're embarrassed about. You're saying, when I get this taken care of, then I'll start serving the Lord. No, 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 no. He wants you addiction and all. He wants you problems and all. He wants you issues and all. He wants you regrets and all. He's not waiting for you to get clean. He's the one that does the cleansing. Though your sin is like crimson, he'll make you white as snow. But you got to come with him with the junk in the trunk. So he can cleanse you and do the miracle, invite him and involve him. So the question I want you to ask yourself, the question I need to ask myself, is there any area in my life where I need to involve Jesus more? Is there an attitude that I, is there a financial thing? Is, Is there the marital? Is there the emotion? Invite him and involve him. How sad would it have been if the creator of the universe, son of the living God, invited to a wedding and there's a problem and they don't even involve him. Involve him in your issues. Now here's what he does. As he gets involved, verse six, nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing. Log that in, you'll get that in a minute each holding 20 to 30 gallons. So these aren't tiny little things, 20 to 30 gallons, six of them. That's, if you can do the math, by the way, don't ever do math in public. That's like a dangerous thing, but I'll do it for you anyway. That's 120 to 180 gallons. And when it's turned to wine, just to let you know what kind of big, crazy wedding party this is, six jars, 120 to 180 gallons is close to 950 bottles of wine. Crazy. Like this is what? I think it was Pitbull that was getting married. It was a crazy situation anyway. All right, moving on. Here's his part. Here's his part. The vessel for the miracle is already in the house. He will use what's in your life. Do you know that he can use broken vessels in your past to do a miracle with? He, He can use the pain that you've gone through to become a platform for his miracle working power. The vessel for the miracle is in the house. Many times people seek after that next evangelist. They seek after that next remedy. They seek after that next husband. And they think, this is what will fix my life. I want you to know, Jesus will use what's in your life right now to do a miracle. Trust him, invite him and involve him. And here's how we respond. As he has the vessel for the miracle already in the house, those stone jars, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. And this is what he tells the disciples. Jesus said to the servants, not the disciples, the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Look at this attitude. Now listen to me, dream teamers. You haven't been able to exercise that dream team and skill on campus, but I hope you're still being a part of the dream team, serving people however you can within the restrictions that we have. 
You still be the hands and feet of Jesus right where you are to your family and your friends and your coworkers. You do whatever you can. When I say the hands and feet of Jesus to your coworkers, I mean like within a six foot distance, okay. But look what they did. They filled them to the brim, a 20 gallon jar. You know how hard this was? This is not like the taking it to the backyard and turning on the green hose and filling it up. No, they got to take this sucker all the way down to the river. Then they fill it to the brim. You know how hard it is to carry just a cup of water to the brim without spilling it? Can you imagine carrying a 20 to 30 gallon jar full of water to the brim? Let me tell you something. They went all in. They were all the way. And I'm telling you, there's something powerful about people that will hear God and go all the way with him. Jesus didn't even say fill it to the brim. He said, fill the jars with water and they went all in. I'm inviting you, stay the kind of people Timber Creek that fills it to the brim. Fill, fill, that, co- fill that, that space in your office place. Fill it to the brim with joy. Fill it to the brim with hope. Fill it to the brim with peace. Bring that into your environments. And here's what Jesus says. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And sure enough, not only do they fill it to the brim, but they take the ladle and they fill it with water. It's now become wine and they take it to the master of the banquet. What would have happened if they said, well, Jesus, you got two feet in a heartbeat. Why don't you do it? Can I tell you that that's not what we would ever want to say to Jesus, but it's how we act with Jesus. In fact, write it down. We are educated beyond our obedience. Many people don't need to hear another sermon. Many people need to do a sermon. Just one, just one. Do the sermon. Don't just hear another one. Jesus in his most famous sermon, it's the Sermon on the Mount. He ends it by saying, hey, if you hear all this and you don't do anything with it, you don't obey it, you're like someone who builds a house on sand. Okay, you got a shaky foundation. Don't be educated beyond your obedience. We don't need another Sunday school class. In fact, you don't even need to, you don't necessarily need another content day on social media, but what you do need to do is be obedient to what you hear him say to you. And so they did, they were obedient. And the master of the banquet who took the ladle, like what, what are you guys doing with these ceremonial washing pots? He drinks it, he tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Let me show you another insight as we wrap up today. The servants knew what the master of ceremony didn't know. Let me tell you something, dream teamers and those that you that serve your community, when you will serve people in the middle of this crisis, you have a proximity to Jesus when you serve that makes you privy to his voice in a different way than even the master of ceremonies. Let me say it again. When you serve, there's an intimacy and a knowledge and a wisdom and a know-how that is reserved for those that get close to Jesus through serving. Do not let up on serving people during this season. And so the master of ceremonies, he doesn't even know where the wines come from. So he says, hey, he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first. Are you kidding me right now? And then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink but you have saved the best till now. Like Jesus, D- Jesus doesn't make any kind of, you know, like just 
paper bottle wine. Like, it's vintage, baby. It is Merlot. It is, it is the crystal of whatever. I don't drink, so I don't even know what crystal. But, but anyway, he makes it like high class, the best. People, they usually, normal people do the choice wine first. Here's his part and our part. Jesus provides the best. Following him and the life you can find in him is the best life. And maybe you don't feel that and you don't understand that. Let me tell you what happens with sin. Sin is like the best wine first because even sin, if sin can feel good, sin can seem good. Sin can give you responses that even seem nice and great at the beginning. But I promise you the long-term result, it will cheapen your life and it becomes something that is nasty. Sin will take you to a place you do not want to go. But I will tell you, sometimes when we begin to serve Christ, we have to do some upfront sacrifices that don't feel very good. We have to step away from some things. We have to trust in a way we've never have trusted and we begin to grow. And I want you to know, the more you grow in Christ, the finer the wine becomes. The more you grow in Jesus, the finer the relationship becomes. It just becomes sweeter and sweeter. And I want you to know something about Jesus. His plans, this plan of mine is not what you would work out. This whole the way God's gonna move in the middle of circumstances is not necessarily always the way you would do it. You know why? Because you ain't God. Thank God you're not God. Neither my thoughts, Jesus says, are the same as yours. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than yours. His ways are higher. Trust him, yield to those. So Jesus provides the best. You should live like the best is yet to come. Live like the best is yet to come. Trust God that, Lord, even though I'm here where I am and things look grim, you got a good plan. If you take care of the sparrow and yet I'm made in your image and the hair on my head is numbered, how much more is the best waiting for me? I wanna lean in and, and wait for the best that you have. And as we wrap up this story John gives us a synopsis. The bystander of this story, John says, what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs. He's just getting started. <laughs> He's just getting started. Through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. And last week we talked about believing wasn't about just thinking something is true. But when John says believing, it's clinging to, relying on. Let me give you the final thought for today. And it's the, it's the behind the scenes reality of what Jesus is doing here. He, he is the bridegroom, everybody, and the church is considered the bride. It's very fitting that his first miracle would be the symbolism between the bridegroom and the bride. But I want you to know that it's not about the wine. This story isn't about the wine. And stories in the future isn't gonna be about blind eyes and the stories in the future isn't gonna be about the bread of the bread. It's gonna be about Jesus. It's not about the wine, it's about the washing. It's not about the contents. It was about these, these washing pots actually. Because the Jewish people for so long they had to do an external exercise in order to get close to God. Before they came close to God, they would have to wash themselves externally with the, with the water out of these washing pots. They weren't just pots and pans, they were ceremonial washing jars. 
And by washing themselves, what they could do, they then gained access to get close to God. So do you see what Jesus does here? He takes the mechanism that is designed to get them close to God from the outside in. And Jesus transforms the contents. And as they drink the wine, here's what Jesus is showing us. I'm coming for a bride that is not gonna be washed from the outside in, but I will provide through my miracle that I bring through salvation on the cross. I'm gonna cleanse you from the inside out. That's his part. You can't cleanse yourself. You can't quote enough scriptures. You can't attend enough services in the flesh or online. You can't sing loud enough to cleanse yourself. You can't be baptized enough times to cleanse yourself because if that was all it was, it would be all about you and it's not about you. Yet Jesus says, what I'm gonna do is all about you, but you gotta trust in me, don't trust in you because you'll always run empty, but I will bring things to the brim in your life. I come that you might have life and have it to the full. So he's the one that does the washing and here's your part, be the vessel. Just be the vessel, be the open-handed, palms up, ready to be cleansed, ready to be used, ready to be empowered. Be the vessel Jesus wants you and calls you and will fill you. But the choice is yours. Be who he's calling you to be and the best is yet to come. Would you pray with me today? Close your eyes right where you are. And as you just reflect in this moment, as you're praying with me, this is business with God moment. This is not business between you and Jeremy. This is business between you and Jesus. I'm just your tour guide. If today you need to say, Jesus, cleanse me from the inside out. I want you to know he will do that. But you invite him into your circumstance. Invite him into the situation. Jesus, be the Lord. Jesus, cleanse me. Jesus, heal me. Jesus, give me a fresh start. You say those, that, that in your own words. Jesus, I, I can't fix my sin. I can't fix myself. But you, you're the one that washes my sin away. Would you cleanse me from the inside out? And for those of you that are running on empty, your joy is low, let me pray for you. Joy. Jesus, thank you. The joy of you is our strength. And I pray that they would choose joy. They would choose to be joyful in the middle of tough, dire circumstances. They would choose to see what you're gonna do and know the best is yet to come. And you would strengthen their joy. In the mighty name of Jesus, we ask it. The strong son of God, the son of God that invades our activities, invades our space, invades our marriages and our relationships and brings out the best. We lean into you in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, amen.